pronounce that? Is it cultura? Cultura? <laughs> cultura. Accent on the two. So, so what do you guys do? What's your organization? How, how do you play a part in this EV transition? Uh, I'll start. I'll start it off. So, I'm I'm Matthew Metz. I'm co-executive director of Cultura. I founded Cultura back in 2014, and we work for a gasoline-free America. That's what our our role is. A lot of it involves uh, pushing forward EVs and and also other strategies for uh, ending the use of gasoline. And I'm Janelle London. I'm the other co-executive director of Cultura, and um, yeah, so we're we're really focused on gasoline and cutting its use. We know a lot of folks are focused on EVs and we recognize that as one possible solution to cutting gasoline, probably the most viable one. Um, but overall, we're, we're really super focused on gasoline as a fossil fuel and how do we basically cut its use you know, in half in the next nine years. Okay, and we received your analysis and documentation on gasoline super users and we think that'll be the subject for today. So. How, how do you see all of this playing out? Why are super users so important to focus on? And who exactly are super users? What are they? Well, super users are the top 10% of gasoline users by volume. So a super user uses more than, uh, than 1,000 gallons of gasoline every year. So that's that's how you that's um, you know it just kind of works out that the way that that's one thousand gallons and so that that's who they are and they use more gasoline that ten percent than the bottom sixty percent of drivers combined. So that has big yeah and that yeah that has big implications for EV policy and in a lot of areas. Are these uh, regular consumers or mostly businesses and fleet drivers? Now we're talking about well, this. Our data came from a household travel survey, a national household travel survey. So these are um, households driving. We we think they're private vehicles mostly. Um, yeah. So that's that's the group that we were looking at. Were the super users something that you had an inclination existed, or it was these super users were something that you guys noticed once you looked at the data and decided to delve deeper into their demographics? So, you know, we, we noticed, we were thinking about EV incentives, like people get a certain amount of money to switch to an EV. And we were thinking, you know, different people use different amounts of gasoline. And so why should EV incentives be equal for everyone? Like, shouldn't we really be trying to focus on the people who are using the most gasoline? Um, and that's when Matthew really had the idea to dig in and find out like who is using the most gasoline and how can we really focus incentives on getting those people to switch to EVs? And so that's when we really found that, you know, this, these 10%, top 10% of drivers were using a third of the gasoline. Yeah. And so actually the story started in a pretty simple way with my, basically with my mom and a painter that I know. So the painter was telling me how much he drives his Ford F-250 around and that he drives more than 30,000 miles a year. He spends, you know, upwards of $500 a month on gasoline. And, and then I was thinking about him and my mom who, you know, persuaded a few years back to buy a Kia Soul EV, she got the $7,500 tax credit, but she only drives about 1,500 miles a year, uses probably 50, 60 gallons of gasoline a year, whereas this painter uses about you know, 1,500 um, gallons a year. And so his 
climate impact is way bigger than my mom's, but they both get the same incentive. And so that's kind of like where it started. Well, does that, does that make sense? Or like, how could, how could a better system be, be done? Because it's way more important to get this painter into an EV than, than it is my mom. Absolutely. I mean, if you just look at stuff like the used car market, you'll see that the majority of Tesla Model S's and X's all are well under average miles driven. But really like the workforce is who's making these big moves in, in mileage. Giovanni, that's a really interesting way of looking at the problem. It's just looking at the at the used car sales and, and the, the Tesla drivers. And it may not be that it's their second vehicle necessarily. It may just be that they're knowledge workers that, that work um, you know, from home a lot in, in the Silicon Valley, and they don't, they don't drive a lot. And, you know, which is great, but on the other hand, their use of an EV is not cutting gasoline consumption all that much relative to, you know, what it would be if that vehicle were in the hands of others. Now, are you seeing more super users as long distance drivers or just A to B drivers with longer commutes? Well, so the a super user, the average super user drives 30,000 miles a year. And so, you know, there's all different uh, reasons for that. We did actually, we thought that the commuting would be a major factor, but we, um, there, there was data on that in the, in the travel survey. And yeah, it was, it was a factor, but it wasn't really a dominant factor, the, the, the long commute. Right, so it's gotta be both long distance and an inefficient vehicle. Yeah. And so, you know, if, you, if somebody's driving a, a Prius and they're driving long distances, they may not be a gasoline super user because their mileage is so good. Yeah, but in a lot of cases, like, yeah, I think, you know, there's a lot of people that drive pickups a lot, you know, contractors and stuff. They're not exactly commuting, but I mean, they are going from worksite to worksite, but that's, that's not really considered a commute, but they're, they're driving a heck of a lot. Yeah, your, your data suggests that the, the bulk of it is SUV and truck drivers. Yeah. Are current electric SUV and truck drivers ready to take on super users? Are there vehicles currently possible for this demographic? Well, so that's 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 the point in time we are right now. So historically, the answer to your question has basically been no. But you know, now with uh, the Ford F one fifty Lightning and the the Rivian vehicles, both the SUV and pickup, now for the first time, yeah, that that those users could potentially convert. Um, and so the question is, are, are we going to be ready for them in all the different ways that are necessary to, to get them converted as fast as possible? Do you think charging time plays a big factor? Do we need faster charging time for these long distance travelers? Will um, that be yeah. more important than a high tow capacity and a truck bed? <laughs> we, we definitely need to look at, at that. Um, what our, our initial research pointed out is that we really need to study these super users and what are their driving habits? You know, could they possibly charge at home every night or are they traveling such long distances in one fell swoop that they need high speed charging, you know, where they drive. Um, so we really need to dig in and find out more about their driving patterns. Yeah. And of course, you know, they're not homogenous. I mean, there's going to be all kinds of super users. There's going to be kinds that, you know, that drive 120 miles a day but that can be comfortably handled within the range of an existing battery. And then there's the kind that, yeah, that are, are constantly on long trips and that's gonna be more, more challenging. So yeah, but to really sort of segment them out, understand where they live, what zip codes, you know, where they shop, just you know, all the different demographic data and whatever we can know about them is, is gonna be really important. So within this study about the super users, you guys touched upon a different type of uh, EV incentive 
that bases it on the amount of gasoline that the drivers have used rather than having a flat uh, tax credit be given out. Can you guys touch upon that and kind of how that is planned to, to work? Yeah, so, so our vision for how this would work is we'd figure out that a dollar amount per annual gallon of gasoline used. And so the person driving, let's say it's a pickup truck, let's say they're you know, using a thousand gallons a year, they would go to the auto dealer um, the auto dealer would look up their look at their odometer readings, look up their Carfax data, and figure out how many total miles they'd driven. Divide that by how many years they'd been driving, and look at the make and model. And they could easily figure out how many average gallons per year they'd been driving. Um, that would form the basis for what their incentive would be. So if they had been driving on average fifteen hundred uh, miles a year or fifteen thousand. Sorry, I got stuck for a second there. Um, using, sorry, <laughs> using 1,500 gallons a year, they would be eligible to get $15,000 towards the purchase of an EV. So this would be given out uh, at the point of purchase of a new EV, or is it going to be at the end of the tax year? Or Yeah, ideally it would be kind of on the hood, or like they just go get the EV and be able to get the discount right then and there. I mean, those those tend to work better than having to uh, submit a receipts or something later on. I know it's in the early stages of, of, you know, hypotheticals, but would there be a hypothetical maximum amount that a uh, super user could get back so that, you know, they don't end up maybe with a completely free car because they drove 100,000 miles annually or something like that? Um, we'd love for them to have, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what's going to happen is if they do get a half a free car or a free car, um, we're all going to benefit because the amount of gasoline they've been burning would have to be enormous for them to get that big of, a, of an incentive. Um, and so we're going to cut that much gasoline. We're going to stop that from being burned, and that's going to help everyone. Yeah, so what we were finding is that, is that let's say someone uses um, 300 gallons a year, that under the existing tax credit scheme, they were getting you know, $30 or more per gallon of gasoline displaced per year. Whereas we're saying ten dollars uh, uh, across the board, so it's actually you know, from a gasoline you know reduction standpoint, it's actually more efficient to to give that big user you know ten dollars a gallon for as much as they use than than it is to give small users the seventy five hundred dollars under the existing law. Have you guys been able to check up on any super users that were uh, successfully converted to EV owners, or is that something that you guys plan to study in the future? Yeah, that needs that needs more study. We don't we don't have that data yet. I mean, you know, anecdotally, we know some people that 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 drive a lot. You know, that would probably be super users if they were driving a gas car, but that's not the same as you know doing a study. Yeah, the other thing to note is that if these people do convert to an EV, not only do they get whatever the incentive is, but then they have enormous savings on their fuel. So super users are spending an enormous amount of gasoline. Um, on average, we found they were spending 8% of their household income on their gasoline. Um, and then for lower income folks, it could be 20 or 25% of their household income. So um, they get an added benefit when they switch that they suddenly see a lot of savings on that and on maintenance for their vehicle. Yeah, and so you know, one of the, one of the big issues with the EV subsidy that we have right now is that it's gone primarily to upper income people, you know, upper middle and upper income people. In fact, the, the biggest category of people getting an incentive are those earning over 200,000 a year. 
And the, what we found about gasoline super users is that they're basically right smack in the middle of the income distribution. They look pretty much like everyone else. And so if, you know, if, you know, they get the lion's share of um, incentive, that's actually much more equitable than the present system. And, you know, some of the gasoline super users are people that, you know, are not making much money at all. They're, you know, making, you know, 30, 40,000 a year. These guys are spending right now 25% of their income or could be on gasoline. And so if we can get them converted, you know, not only is it good for the environment, but it's, you know, it's really good for, you know, that family, you know, their families and, and income equality generally. Absolutely. Uh, EVs are still much more expensive than the average sold car. I mean, Tesla's lowest price car is more than the average new car price. So focusing on those abilities to capture a larger market in EVs is of course important. And it's less of a it's less of a handout and more of a cost to save our planet. That's yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, you talked you talked in this in the uh, presentation, but can you go over exactly why super users are so important to focus on versus everyone as a whole, and how focusing on them will expedite our carbon emission uh, decrease? Go ahead, Janelle. Sure. So um, yeah, so we. Scientists have agreed that we really have to cut a total carbon emissions from all sources basically in half by 2030 to have a, uh, a hope of a habitable planet. And the Biden administration also set a target of cutting um, emissions in the U.S. in half by 2030. And so we're on a, a really a ticking uh, time here that we've. It's just so urgent to cut emissions, and that means stopping using fossil fuels. And so, you know, it's a nice idea to slowly convert people over to electric vehicles who aren't driving very many miles, or maybe they're even riding a bike right now, and you know, you want to get them over to an EV and and grow that market. But but we're with this time constraint, with this extreme urgency, we actually need to get people to stop burning gasoline as fast as possible. And and really, you know, it's going to be so critical to take the people who are we're really going to need to focus on burning gasoline and cutting that the number of people or the number of gallons of gasoline burned in half. So the best way to do that is to focus like a laser beam on the people burning the most gasoline. Yeah, it's like, it's like Willie Sutton was asked, you know, why do you rob banks? And he said, well, that's where the money is. Well, <laughs> super users are where the gasoline is. So that's why we're, we're you know, we're targeting them. Uh, stepping aside from the incentives for a second within your report you also wrote about uh combating uh or well there's a bunch of ev misinformation which definitely doesn't help the expedition of getting uh, evs on the road um have you guys found a good way of combating ev misinformation or getting information out to super users and regular folks in a in a good way i mean that's that that's the that's the million dollar question. Yeah, we, we really need to get this education out there and combat all the misinformation. Um, we do think that this change, if we were able to get a policy change, um, the news about that would reach people pretty fast, especially these super users who are driving these big pickup trucks long distances, like to recognize that they could suddenly save a ton of money and pretty much get a new electric truck in the process. And by the way, these trucks are pretty cool. They're coming out. You know, you can use the battery to charge your power tools and keep your mini fridge. And they're just incredibly cool. Um, so I think that if we were able to change these incentives and really focus on those folks and let them know they're going to get like a free half a car, 
Um, I think that could be big news and it would it would combat a lot of misinformation and start those conversations. Yeah, I mean, that being said, if you look at the map of, you know, where super users are the most prevalent, where there's most of them, and it does kind of line up with the map of, you know, those people who are least likely to get a COVID shot, for example. And, you know, and that's a, that's a challenge because those guys are getting a lot of information let's say about vaccines, you know, and, you know, so I don't think we should underestimate that challenge of actually communicating to them and, and the benefits of EVs and, you know, and, and it's, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a struggle. I guess we could uh, begin closing this off. Is there any more remarks that you'd like to touch up on? Yeah, but actually, if I, if I can, is that, you know, it's not just also in these rural areas, you know, there's super users, a lot of them in cities in Seattle and in San Jose everywhere. So, you know, they're all, they're, they're everywhere. They're, they're diverse. And so there's got to be a lot of different um, ways of outreaching to them. They're certainly not monolithic. Absolutely. A question we like to ask everyone here that we have on is uh, what car do you currently drive and which EV are you most excited for? Well, I drive a Chevy Bolt EV, and I'll tell you that I'm leasing it for five bucks a day. That's how cheap leases are where I live in California. Um, and the coolest thing coming out, I think, is the electric F-150. I just can't wait for that to come out. Yeah, well, I got a, I got a, I got a uh, Model 3 and a Leaf. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm kind of curious about this big Rivian SUV that's coming out. I think that'd be, you know, really fun for the family and lots of room and yeah, so I think, and I think that, that there's going to be a big market for that. Hope so. Really hope, hope so. so. Yeah.